Hi, I'm Victor. And I'm Allegra. And we want to welcome you to Simply Investing. We're two mates in our 20s who have learned a thing or two in our young careers. Definitely from making lots of mistakes. And our mission is to simplify investing and give you the knowledge and confidence to kickstart your investment journey. Before we start, a quick reminder that nothing we say is financial advice. Rather, for educational purposes only. We are not financial advisors and everybody should invest according to their own circumstances. Hi everyone and welcome back to episode two of our ETF series. Fantastic. Hey everybody. Um, So yeah, I think pretty much for those of you who listened to our last episode or those of you who didn't, we basically just touched broadly on what are ETFs. Um, ETFs that we've purchased in the past, what yep. to look for when you buy an ETF quite broadly and how to actually get started. Yep. And in this episode, we really just want to get down into the nitty gritty and kind of give people more information when it comes to purchasing ETFs, what to look for, best performers yep. um, in the ASX, and then also, you know, some of our experiences when it comes to ETFs. Yeah, 100%. Um, we want to kick off by looking more broadly at the topic of how you should choose your ETF. Um, and I guess just some of the distinct characteristics of an ETF, which we have explained in our last episode. So more on just building what we look for when we, um, I guess, are choosing where to invest our money. Yeah. So, I mean, I might kick this off and say that probably the first thing that we look at when we're investing in ETF would be the time frame. So I think when you pick an ETF, you need to be really careful. So There are certain ETFs that come onto the market and rise in the short term, but then take a big dip over the long term. And I mean, if you're looking to invest for a year or two, that could be great. But most people trying to get into ETFs, it's a long term thing. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things I look at is what is the long term performance. So, you know, three, five and 10 years. Yeah. And then I need to really figure out how long I want to invest my money for. um, And that will be a large indicator of which ETF I'll buy. Yep. No, I totally agree with you on this one. Um, and not all ETFs are the same. So for example, your broad-based ETFs, let's say one that tracks the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest companies in the US, the performance on that would be vastly different to a performance on an ETF that tracks maybe only you know, the largest tech stocks in the NASDAQ. Oh, so just saying this because <laughs> I actually own a... <laughs> it, depends, it depends on your like risk appetite as well. But in terms of that as well with the horizon, um, you know, it's definitely an important thing to understand if you're going to invest for the longer term, like when I say long term, I mean more like a 30 year kind of time, just like a mortgage, um, then you'd probably want to hold more of a broad based ETF, something that you would, you know, pump your super in or your 401k. Um, And if you're looking for more, you know, riding the trends in the market or just in terms of future trends, maybe if your time horizon is a bit less than that, like even a five year, then perhaps, you know, tech is probably more up your alley. But the volatility in tech and um, some of these, you know, emerging technologies can be quite high. So definitely time frame. Is well, a big I feel one. like there was about 10 slide ticks of me in there, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think the next one is also a really key indicator when you're picking that and it's off the back of, um, you know, your time frame is having a strategy. So really asking yourself, what do you want to get from this ETF? 
Yep. Can you afford to take on a riskier short-term investment or are you looking for the longer term? So you want something probably a bit lower risk or if you'd prefer to avoid risks altogether, maybe you want to consider an index fund, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think fitting in with the strategy element is also kind of like, what do you want to put your money towards? Like, what are you going to be investing in? So if your strategy is to make, let's say, a high return in a shorter amount of time because you're more willing to go on to risk on assets than an ETF like one that's just a NASDAQ. Yeah, like something that I own. <laughs> yeah, or like maybe, you know, one of them cybersecurity ones or the oh, lithium ones. No, I'm just saying like something that's a little bit more, not niche, but industry specific where you're gunning for a higher growth company like a Amazon or a Netflix. That's probably where you want to put your money. But if these are your life savings that you're holding um, and that you want to put to use, as opposed to holding cash, which we've mentioned before is not a good idea, then you probably don't want to put it into, you know, the NASDAQ. Um, you probably want to put that into something like the VAS or something like the, you know, kind of S&P 500 tracking ETFs. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, I think, the biggest thing to consider prior to buying an ETF. I mean, having a strategy and really working with your time frame. Um, yeah. Because I think that's when people kind of get into some problems is when they're picking ETFs and jumping in, but they don't actually know what their long-term strategy is. Yep, 100%. Yeah, so I guess the next thing on the back of that, you know, understand your strategy, have a time frame, but understand the product. Mm. Always, you know, research what you're getting into, understand what companies the ETF holds, understand, you know, the management of the, of the ETF, understand, you know, what you're actually investing in. Yep. And that can be hard because it requires a lot of research and time. And um, no, we definitely understand that. But I think that is probably the most important um, of the five kind of, you know, what is it, rules or steps um, yeah. to take when, when picking an ETF. I mean, it all comes down to it. Um, what are you actually buying, right? We mentioned in the earlier part of the um, kind of series, like if you're going to buy a gold ETF, how does asset managing company actually store the gold? Do they actually hold the gold in the one-to-one -one ratio? How does that all work? So for me, I can use an example like the Grayscale um, Bitcoin ETF, right? Um, which, is, which is fantastic. And you know, it's not in the US yet, but hopefully it comes soon. But it's a spot-backed ETF, which means for every dollar that you put in um, to this particular fund, Grayscale will go and buy an equivalent of a dollar's worth of Bitcoin. So you need to check if your ETF, let's say for another commodity, let's say gold, is it a spot back ETF? Is it a futures based ETF trading on some other exchange like a Chicago um, mercantile exchange or something like that? And yeah, you just basically need to know what you're getting yourself into. And I think that applies to not just ETFs, but equities and really all aspects of life really, right? But that's probably, yeah, the most important thing. And we've given our recommendations really um, for a couple, if not you know, later on in this episode, but in the previous kind of part. And, you know, we feel comfortable doing that because we've, you know, either invested in these um, ourselves or we know what they hold. Yeah. And I think probably on that as well, Victor, I would say that my biggest mistake when investing in stocks and ETFs, probably more so stocks, but I guess it's, you know, kind of mm. go hand in hand how you trade them. My biggest mistake I've made is jumping on trends, following the crowd or listening to some finance bro who's like, 
my dad knows the CEO of a company and it's going to go up 20%. And then you buy these stocks and you have no idea what you're investing in and you yep. end up either losing your money or you've got, you know, stocks that haven't performed in your portfolio. And if you'd done the research, you would have known that that was always going to happen. Can't be an emotional investor. No. And you totally can't gross. jump on trends. I mean, I think you really need to do your own research and have confidence in what you're buying. A hundred percent. Yeah. So... I guess the next thing to kind of look at when buying um, or something that, you know, comes after you've done your research and all the rest of it would be checking the returns. Yep. Um, so, you know, this includes checking fees, but we'll get into that next. Um, but yeah, look at how's it performed over a one year period and then how's it performed over three, five, 10, and even, you know, 20 and 30 years. Yep. Um, and that has to also align with your strategy. Yep. A hundred percent. And definitely the returns are really important. And I guess the expense ratio, which we've mentioned in um, the previous part, plays an important part because if you're losing, let's say half a percent every single year on your returns, um, the thing with an ETF is they don't always go up every single year because there are going to be years where the market dips, like let's say 2008, yeah. right? But be certain that that fee will be taken in 2008, regardless yeah. of whether your ETF performs or not. So that's something that's uh, important to think about. Um, but more broadly, on the topic of returns, I think um, it's really important to kind of look at you know, the particular ETF you're invested in and also what the you know, opportunity cost of your money is as well. So if you're returning maybe your 5%, but the market's booming and everyone else is making 30%, then that's you know, also an underperformance, even though you're making money. Um, and as well, there's other kind of factors that feed into this being inflation, which came out the other day at seven and a half percent in the US um, year on year. And yeah, also just the, you know, cost of cash, which is interest rate. But basically, you know, let's not get too complicated. Let's keep it simple. Um, definitely really important to monitor returns. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Allegra, over a longer time frame, if that's your investment horizon, um, but also kind of, yeah, uh, whatever, you know, time horizon you're looking for in general. Oh, and one last point as well, sorry, quickly. Um, if you're buying an ETF that's tracking the ASX 200, like the iShares, you know, Australian shares one, um, and the index performs at a rate of 10%, but your ETF is only giving you 7%, then there's something wrong there from a management perspective or from a fee structure perspective. Because if you're tracking the index that you're purporting to kind of, you know, mirror your returns off, and they're making 10% and you're making 7%, where is the other 3%, right? Yeah. So that's also something that's really important to look at. But that kind of is easier to look at on a broad-based index level or broad-based ETF level. If you're tracking an industry-specific ETF or even a gold ETF, um, it's a bit more difficult to look at kind of the returns based on the underlying asset. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that would be probably one of the biggest things to look at when purchasing ETFs is just understanding the management um, and then also the fees associated because end of the day, if you invest in an ETF that looks great on paper, but you haven't actually looked into what fees you're paying, um, some of the time you're actually just losing a lot of money in the investment. Although, you know, they say 10% returns, um, are you getting that whole 10% per annum? Yep, um, exactly. So yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things to look at before you buy an ETF.
let's move on. Um, in this part of the episode, we want to talk about our experiences investing in ETFs. So we've both had quite extensive experiences with exchange traded funds. I'll speak for myself and then Allegra, you can jump in whenever you feel like it. Yeah. Um, so I started investing when I was 18 years old and uh, the way I was brought up rather was just from reading a lot of books about kind of value investing and value investing principles and kind of trying to look at discounted, you know, equities. Um, so I did put a bit of money into kind of, as they say now, cigar butt companies, just companies that were really, really cheap. Um, but also at the same time, I kind of was listening to a lot about broad-based ETFs. So just holding a slice of the market and just letting your money do its work. So I started investing maybe um, in, I don't know when it was now, but when I turned 18, I put all the savings I had into um, the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF. So I was just holding a broad-based ASX 300 share um, kind of index ETF. And the reason why I chose that particular ETF was I had learned about Vanguard as like the kings of passive investing from business school. Yeah, right. And it was about kind of keeping the fees low and just tracking the market and just letting your investment do its work and not having to think. So that was kind of like the passive slice of my portfolio. And then the active slice, in a way, I was thinking I was all that and thinking I knew a lot about all of these <laughs> different, <laughs> um, you know, kind of wanted to back myself and give myself a crack at the market. So I took a bit of money, not much, like probably 20% of my portfolio. And I started picking individual companies. Um, I feel like everyone has just like a moment in the time they invest or like a moment in their investing career where they seriously think they're Warren Buffett. Yeah, 100%. And they're like, I've got this, but you it didn't work out. It no, it didn't work out at all for me with that twenty percent. But good thing it was it was only just twenty percent, and um, the rest of my money I just kept putting in drip feeding into the ETF for about a good five six years um, until I ended up selling everything and pulling that equity um, and cash into into my property. So um, that was kind of my only experience with ETFs. I haven't really invested in any other ETFs. I don't really hold. Well, I do hold ETFs now, but they don't make up a like active portion of my portfolio. It's just kind of something I put money into every now and then. Um, I want to move more into properties at the moment, so I'm kind of trying to save for that. But in terms of my experiences with ETF, that's why we say it's a really strong wealth creating opportunity. If you just DCA in um, over a good five, 10 years, and for me, I did it, I think over six years, um, then your returns are quite, quite strong. Um, but yeah, like that's kind of how I got started with you know ETFs, and that's why I talk about VAS so much because I know exactly what it is. Um, it's like you kind understand of, the product. Yeah, and 100%. for everyone who's listening, DCA is dollar cost averaging. Yeah, it just means putting a little bit in over a periodic amount of time. But for me, I kind of view ETFs only really as a diversification tool. I know you can have ETFs in like you know, the ones that you own. Yeah, in like, we'll get to that in a second. In, in, in different industries and stuff. And yeah. you can really expose yourself to a particular part of the, you know, um, New York Stock Exchange or, or, or NASDAQ or ASX. But for me, it's just a diversification tool. It's yeah, kind of like my risk off in a way, holding. When people say risk off, they're thinking like bonds or cash or interest, but there is no interest these days. Um, so I just hold it in a broad-based ETF, most of my money um, and my retirement savings which isn't much, but anyway. Um, we'll get there. So that kind of all goes in there. And then 
I guess a larger portion of my portfolio now is kind of on even further risk on assets. How's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been all right, to be fair. I mean, the recent times have been quite hard, but it's always about the ups and downs, you know? And Victor's you just have a bit to moderate. sensitive at the moment, so we just got to be a bit careful with him. You um, just have to moderate how you feel over a longer period of time. You know, yeah. I'm lucky I got in quote unquote early, yeah. not early enough to be a billionaire, but still you know, early enough in the crypto game. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of where my risk on asset holds, but I would probably say with ETFs, I only really invest in the Vanguard one. Yeah. You, um, you stick to, I think very broad based ETFs that kind of track yeah. an indice. Whereas, um, I am a bit different on how I approach ETFs. And we've kind of done things the opposite. I mean, I had obviously a lot of cash at 18 and I bought my first property. Yep. So I didn't use, in hindsight, I mean, if I was slowly putting, I worked at McDonald's at the age of, you know, 14, 15. So if I was actually putting that money into an ETF, which at the time, you know, I had no idea about, yep. I would probably have had a lot more for a deposit coming to 18. Yep. Um, and then kind of from the age of 18 to 25, I'd say. So... Um, buying my fourth at 25, my, I guess my main goal. Your fourth, Raleigh. Investment property. Sorry. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so by the time I kind of, you know, bought my fourth, my focus was just on acquiring as much property as I could. Yeah. So ETFs were not a big thing for me. But in hindsight, I mean, I've bought some stocks along the way. And like I said, I've bought some stocks that have performed really well. Um, and I've also bought some stocks that have just been complete duds. So yeah. in hindsight, I mean, had I have put that money into ETFs, um, although my return probably would have been less than, you know, a winning stock, yep. um, I probably would have done better. Yeah. So you're saying term. like net, net, your average return, your APY over, let's say like five years, which is the way I've done it. You would have been better off doing that as opposed to a strategy where, you kind of self-pick stocks. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, I have researched it, but I'm not going to lie. And, you know, like I've got nothing to hide. I've put money into stocks based off people being like, oh, my dad knows so-and-so, or I work for a marketing company that does the marketing for this company and it's, you know, going to go off. And those stocks, I've had probably one of those stocks delist. So that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... In hindsight, had I put that money to good use and purchased an ETF, I would have been flying now. But, you yep. know, we all learn from our mistakes. Um, and I guess now, because obviously I'm very heavy in real estate, mm. which, you know, is great. But personally, and we'll get into this later, coming into the election. Which one? There's an election this year, isn't it? The Australian one or the, the US Austra one? No, the Australian. Oh, both. No, the Australian. Okay. US is a while away, isn't it? I think they've got their midterms this year. Wow, that went quick. Um, yeah, so I mean, coming into the Australian election um, and then, you know, also with interest rates at the moment, I mean, no one really knows. We know that interest rates will go up, but we don't know when. Um, and I just think, you know, coming out of COVID as well, I think people are over leveraged when it 100%. comes to property. And I think there's been a, a few predictions and, you know, no one can predict what's going to happen with the market. Um, yeah. That there could be as much as a 15% drop in property next year. And that will be off the back of interest rate rises and people not being able to make repayments. Yep. So personally, I want cash ready for that. I look at that and I think that's a great buying opportunity and that's yep. when I'll probably look to yep. try and get in. And you know what? If it goes up again this year and I miss out, well, I guess joke's on me, but you take that risk, but definitely till after the election. So for now, 
I hold a few ETFs and like Victor said, my ETFs are a bit more, I guess, industry specific. So rather than tracking indices such as the ASX 200, I actually hold three ETFs and Mm. I'd say they're all quite high risk. I mean, that's kind of like, it's the same principle, right? Like those ETFs that you're holding, like let's say the hack or the NASDAQ or, you know, your tech based ones, they're like your risk on side of your portfolio. That's like your risk seeking side. And then you have your, you know, more passive side, which most of it's yours property. is in property. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got a bone to pick with property, but we'll get to that in yeah, the next we'll episode. Yeah, we'll get to that in but, detail in you know, episodes. Is it really risk less? No, I don't think so. But anyway. Um, it's, I think it's it's not. Because any... you're not valuing it every single day in a market. So you yeah. don't know what the actual intrinsic value is. Yeah. And you're only getting as much as the next person's going to buy it for. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean we'll Sometimes get... you can't sell. We always have this argument, Victor and myself, when it comes to crypto versus property, but we'll get into that a I'm bit later. I'm not even saying just for cryptos, but I'm saying like, I like totally understand where you're coming from with, um, you know, your, your ETFs in, in kind of the more, you know, let's say cybersecurity or whatever. So I guess yeah, space. quickly for all of our listeners, the three ETFs that I hold are NASDAQ, which tracks, I think the top hundred tech Yeah, I've got, um, and that's US based. Yep. Um, I've got Asia, which tracks emerging markets. Yep. Um, so I think, for example, one of the holdings um, or the last time you know I checked was Alibaba, but that yep. could have rebalanced. Yep. Um, and then the third that I hold is Hack, which tracks cybersecurity companies. It's a space that I like. I would say that it's something that people need to focus on. Cybersecurity? Yeah, it's a massive thing. Yeah, of course. So yeah, they're the three ETFs that I hold. Moving forward, if I... You know, I'm holding cash now. I'm hoping to buy. I'm selling a property at the moment, so hoping to you know rebuy something else. Yeah. Um, and then I would probably look at just you know incrementally adding. Are you going to use that money that you get from your property to put into um, more ETFs? And do you think you'll ever hold a broad based? I'm sure you. So So that was my next thing. I think that once I buy my next property, as I'm getting not older, but I'm turning 27 next year. Very old. (laughs) but i think moving forward i mean and in such an uncertain time i think holding broad-based etfs yeah um in terms you know de-risking your portfolio is a really good thing to have yeah it's a great idea i mean my super's in you know all in um something like the vas i self-manage yeah so wow that's probably like the best way to do it um Because it's a long-term game with super, obviously. You're not going to be able to touch yeah. it till you're 652 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what True. I mean? So it's kind of like... Out of sight, out of mind, that one. Yeah. So I think with... At, at least for me, the way I approach ETFs is I don't really mess around with too, too many of the different ones. I just find it's too hard to understand. My small brain can't process yeah. all of the different, you know, fees. Are they going to hold it? What companies and all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I just hold a broad-based one. And then I put my money towards something I can understand. I think decently, uh, which for me is digital assets and tangible property. I think, I think decently. On that, I mean, and this is for, you know, your listeners that don't really have the time to research ETFs or whatever it is, or you just want to get into something yep. lower risk. Yep. I'd say, you know, tips, and this isn't financial advice. It's just what I'd be looking at. Is, yes. You know, ETFs that track larger market indices, such That's as right. the ASX 200, 300. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's certain apps like your Comsec Pocket, and they basically just list you I think it's five ETFs in different industries. So they've got a high dividend, um, Australian dividend ETF. They've yep. got an ETF that's in medical, Australian medical companies. So your CSLs. Yeah. Um, and then they've got, you know, the NASDAQ. You know, yeah, the tech stocks. The tech stocks. 
Um, and they've got two others. So I think if you're looking, you know, that's a good starting point. Go into Comsec Pocket, see what the five ETFs are and research them and see if they're aligned with your particular risk appetite and volatility. And yeah. We kind of speak about ETFs as something that's, you know, kind of like a relatively safe, passive you know, you instrument. You can definitely yeah. still lose money. It depends on what you invest in. Like, for example, if we're going to have a financial, let's say, recession, um, tech stocks will go down a lot. <laughs> oh, God. They will go down 50%. Me, yeah. You know, digital assets will go down 90%. Yeah. So it's, if you, and if you can't stomach that, which not many people can, because, you know, you need to have the right temperament when you invest. If you're seeing a portfolio down 20, 50, 100 grand. It's a big hit. And I mean, it's a very, very big psychological, it's a very big psychological, you know, effect. But just always remember, and we say this, you know, time and time again, but you're investing for the long term and you don't lose money until you sell. So if you hold, even if your portfolio dips for a period of time over the long term, you know, it's highly likely your portfolio will come out on top. Yeah. So just hold and, you know, block out outside noise. Remember why you're investing and really stick to that strategy. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, we have different strategies, right? Whereas I'm more of a passive investor. Every time I look at an ETF, I only hold a broad-based yeah. kind of ETF. But um, I guess in saying that, sorry to jump in, Victor, but no, your risk comes from your, you know, digital currency. Yes. It's true. That That's is, where you hold that your is risk. That is true, yeah. So passive for, for your passive or less risky Side. investment that's your etfs whereas i'm the opposite my yep. kind of less risky if we're gonna you know talk yep. on a risk scale investments would be in my property yeah so i can probably afford to branch out a bit more when it venture comes to out an ETF, into the venture out into the tech world yeah. or whatever you want to call it yeah um and buy i guess slightly riskier ETFs mm. because that's, you know, I've got a safer investment, which is my property. Yeah. As long as your time horizon set and you understand what's going on and you know what the management's like and all the fees, look, you, you should do be you. fine. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. In this last section of our episode on ETFs, we want to wrap things up by giving you a list of the top five performing ASX listed ETFs that you can invest in, um, if you so wish, uh, with a focus on the APY over the last three years, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, average performance over the last three years, and then I'll also you know, let you know what ETFs actually performed the best in 2021. And you know, just quickly, a small little caveat, by no means are we telling you to invest in these. And yeah. I also can't guarantee nor convict that these will be the best performance. You know what they say? The it's, a, it's one of those little disclaimers. Past performance does not indicate future you performance. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah. we just want to drop that one in there. And if you're really looking for an ETF, you don't really want to be looking for, I guess, a year. No, yeah. you're looking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, but that data is probably a lot harder to come by. So we're going to give you the top five um on a three-year level and then um on a one-year level as well yeah yep. and then we'll kind of you know probably touch on quickly spaces not yep. etfs but spaces we think are promising moving forward for investors yeah i might drop a couple of etfs but you know oh you do wow. you do. <laughs> all right kick us off all right so the best performance of 2021 so the first we've got is iShares s p 500 etf so the asx code for that is i double v okay um, and it's from BlackRock's iShares. It's pretty simple, this one. It, um, you know, to say it in the simplest way, it covers the most tracked index in the world, which is the US stock market, and it 
tracks the top 500. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much you're investing in the largest 500 companies on the US market. And is this three-year performance or one year? This is one year. This is so the best performers last last year. year. I mean, it's no surprise if you look at the top 500, a lot of them would be tech companies. 100%. um, Or large companies in the US. And I think they've seen a big recovery from COVID, if we're talking the last year. Um, Probably due to the massive amounts of quantitative easing or money printing, but... That's neither here nor there, so no surprise there. Yeah, so I guess for an example of what two companies they invest in, let's just, you know, they've got Apple and Amazon in there. Yep. So last year it returned 36.36%. God, and me. It was, yeah. And it was the fifth best performing ETF on the ASX. Okay, excellent. So let's go number four. Yep. Um, so it's the iShares Core MSCI World X Australia ESG Leaders ETF. <laughs> that was a mouthful. The MISCI, um, yeah. The ASX code is IWLD. Okay. So I don't even know how you say that. Illworld. Yeah, iWorld. I don't know. I but they, so what are they? Are they tracking a, a whole bunch of different indices, indices so, around the world? No. So this one is tracking or it's focused on mid and large cap companies from outside of Australia. So it's selected from leading ESG practices within their industry. Right. So 720 holdings, um, and most of these are coming from, again, the US market. So Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, MasterCard, Toyota, just to name a few. So they actually returned just over 38% for the 2021 calendar year. Okay. Cool. That's nice. That's good. (laughs) That's great. 38 all right so the next is dow jones global real estate fund so code djre yep third top performing etf um so rather than you know investing in a large basket of shares this um etf holds only real estate investment trusts yep 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 um so for example uh goodman group is is a big holding in this one and this actually returned 38.56 i'm telling you real estate yeah did really well last year and that also came with a 4.05 percent dividend distribution oh wow so you're getting a return obviously in terms of performance of your etf but you're also actually getting a 4.05 percent dividend dividend income that's that's really good yeah so the code for that again was djre Okay. Yep. So the next one we have is the Better Shares Crude Oil Index and the um, ETF or ASX code for this is triple O. So O-O-O. Yep. Um, once again, completely different kettle of fish here. Um, it's from Better Shares and apparently this one takes silver medal performance. So this is your number two. Yep. Um, it tracks the performance of crude oil futures. Yep. I, um, I will say, I think oil got smashed during COVID. Yeah. And- um, I was listening to a, another podcast, Planet Money. They were saying at one point, oil futures went into negative territory because of the storage costs. Wow. Like oil was literally, it costs a lot to store oil. So, you know, all these bankers um, drove the price down because there was no demand during COVID. Um, so the bounce back and probably why it returns so much doesn't surprise me. So, I mean, I guess, you know, this would be when we said best performing of 2021. If you held... Um, triple O in probably 2018. I mean, this 47.8% return yeah. that was achieved in 2021 would probably be a recovery for most. But I mean, if I you got so. in in 2021, oil- If you timed the market right at the bottom. I know, <laughs> almost impossible. But, you know, oil had such a dramatic level of rising in 2021. No, I mean, like you can't time the market no, consistently and know, um, you know, and win out. So 
But yes, still a really good ETF then if you want exposure to oil um, on the oil futures market, then then that's the one for you. Yeah, and the top performers, um, well, the, there's actually two best performers. Um, first being better shares geared US equity funds. So double GUS is the ASX code. Yep. And ETFs, ultra long NASDAQ 100 hedge fund, which you can is LNAS. almost kind of see it in the names, like the beta shares geared, you know, they're messing about with leverage. Yeah. Um, pardon my French, you know, um, and also what's the other one? The ultra long, you're going ultra long. You're ultra probably long once again, leveraged, you know, two, five, 10, God forbid, 20, a hundred X on going long on the NASDAQ. <laughs> Imagine if there was a recession, you wouldn't want to be in that one. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. Double G US covers S and P five hundred, um, and LNAS covers Nasdaq one hundred. Yeah. So LNS returned sixty four point seven percent in twenty twenty one. Wow. And Double G US gave a pleasing sixty six point two five percent. That's excellent. I mean, I guess to higher the risk, you know, the higher the reward, right? It would actually be really interesting, Victor, if we did kind of like a mid year episode and actually went back to these five performers and see how they're doing in 2022 yeah absolutely i think that's definitely something we'll talk down in the uh, studio yeah definitely so if we move to best three-year returns yeah this is probably more important yeah i mean the, the last was just you know a bit interesting to see market trends but this is etfs that have performed better over the yeah. longer term but still when it comes to etfs three years is not long no. what you consider long term but you know to kick this off Number one, we've got NASDAQ, Yep. which I hold against Victor's will. The, I mean, the tech stocks have done quite well, so, you know, good on them. Yeah, so basically 100, you know, NASDAQ tech stock companies, yeah. um, and I buy this through Comsec, but there's obviously other platforms that we touched on in episode one where you yep. can buy this ETF. Um, the next one, and this is actually a really interesting one, and I've spoken to someone about this before, is ACDC. So that's all in battery technology and lithium. I think that kind of coincides with the whole renewables movement, right? Correct. Because the biggest issue with renewables, to my understanding, which is very limited, is you need to find a place to store the energy. Definitely. Like generating the energy is not difficult in terms of wind, solar, etc. But the problem is with storing the energy. So. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure lithium uh, is is the one resource that they need to actually create these, you know, batteries Tesla batteries for I cars think so. and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that would go hand in hand. So if you're investing in, you know, battery tech and lithium ETFs, you are kind of, you know, investing for the future and, the, you know, the whole Tesla. Exactly. No, I think you movement. hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. So number three, we've got Robo, which is Global Robotics and Automation ETF. Yep. So it's I all guess, tech, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, and then the next two, we've got um, Effie, which we spoke about in episode one, which is Better Shares Global. It's the sustainability leaders. Yep. Um, and then we've got Tech, which is the Morningstar Global Technology ETF. So, so you're so, telling me over the last three years, it's mainly just been tech investments and ESG-based investments. Well, I mean, yeah, I think... Number six and seven, if anyone's interested. I mean, I need to kind of say this because, you know, Victor Roy's okay, <laughs> says I'm very... Number six is Hack, which is my, my old faithful cybersecurity ETF. Yep. And number seven is Asia. 
So that's Asia's done well as well. Emerging markets. Okay. Also in tech. But I mean, this isn't to say that they've performed well over the last three years and now crash over the next three years. We can't guarantee you that. But I think on that, you know, moving forward, if you were to invest in an ETF space, I'm I would probably say that a big focus is ethical companies. So like your Ethi. Yep. You know, I think people are becoming more aware woke. of what they're yeah woke of what they're investing in so people want to know that the companies they're investing in are ethically run and all the rest of it so i think that's probably a market that i think over the long term will perform because people are becoming more conscious yep of what they're investing in definitely and i think jumping on that as well future trends wise and you know i probably wouldn't invest in this myself to be honest so um, i'm just going to drop it out there but like the future is tech, isn't it? There's yeah. like robotics, genomics, um, AI, artificial intelligence, um, and the whole kind of catalog of it. Um, I think that's definitely going to be very intertwined with the lives that we're going to live in the next definitely. 10, 15 years and our kids are going to live in. Um, but I think if you're going to look into something like, you know, the ARK ETF, which is um, an investment fund run by Kathy Wood and ARK Investment Management, Basically, all they do is jump on future trends or future technologies, rather, that mm. they think are going to disrupt our world. So I think that's definitely a um, good, you know, good space to look at or um, a good good space to start researching. I think I probably need to start doing a bit of research on yeah. that um, if I'm going to future-proof myself. But definitely that and, you know, you can't not drop in digital currencies. Yeah. I mean, blockchain technology, which is the underpinning or the backbone of digital currencies, um, blockchain technology itself is going to revolutionize the world and change the world. Which it's is funny you say a that. fact. Because we've seen, obviously, a few um, crypto-based ETFs. I think the last one actually floated, I think, early this year or last year, and that's Crip on the ASX. Yeah. Um, and that's basically they invest in, obviously, blockchains. and. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the cryptocurrencies or the NFTs or you know, the applications of whatever the blockchain technology underlying it is. But the actual blockchain technology, I think is going to play a huge part in terms of the future um, of organizations because it's just too easy to to manipulate and steal money and, you know, fudge accounting records. And I say this as an accountant. Um, Not a criminal? No, not a criminal. (laughs) The highest of ethical standards. Thank you. I'm a CPA. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think there's definitely kind of a lot of room for that to grow. But that's neither here nor there. We'll touch on, I guess, digital assets a lot more coming forward um, and hope to see you guys in the next one.